podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guest would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's podcast, we have Louis Nichols. He is a self-taught developer recently escaped from the crazy world of VC-backed startups. Through his Sales for Founders course and podcast, he helps technical founders learn how to do sales, find their first customers, and build a product people want to pay for. He previously co-founded a B2B SaaS company, Jim Hopper, which was acquired in 2018, and also PostPerk, another B2B consumer company. He maintains a weekly actionable advice email for founders, which you can subscribe to at 5minutefounder.com. Louis, welcome to the podcast. Nice. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Louis, great to have you. Very excited for this conversation. You have a wealth of experience between Jim Hopper and Sales for Founders. You've got a podcast. We want to talk about all of that a little bit at the end of the episode. But this podcast episode is mainly about a completely new business idea that you were generous enough to share with our listeners to try and help them get their own business started. So let's dive right into it. Tell us about a problem that you're seeing in the world today. Sure. You call it generous. I might call it selfish because this is obviously something that I would like to have and be able to pay for. The basic problem that I'm seeing is that it is very difficult to grow the right audience for a podcast. You have your immediate sphere of people that you can reach out to who will hear about it. And there are things you can do to grow that audience organically or with paid acquisition. But normally when you're starting off, it's quite expensive or it's too expensive to go for paid acquisition and your organic reach can only go so far. That's the problem I'd like to try and solve. Hmm, I think I'm familiar with this, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dear and dear to our hearts as well. We have millions of listeners out there. If you're listening, you're just one of millions. No, not true at all. (laughs) So we're thinking of this very heavily. This is probably the second time, at least in the conversation on the podcast, where we're going a little meta here, which I think is cool. Ethan, it cut you off a little bit, though. Go for it. I mean, we know what we've tried. You'll know what you've tried. So we've got some perspectives to work with. And we've got a few potential clients right here for the business that's it's created. So there's a market for it. You can prove there's at least a market of three individuals. <laughs> Louis, can you dive in a little bit deeper into the pain? So when you talk about growing your audience, that's something that you want to do. But right now, what's it costing you in time and money? Why is this so painful for you? Sure. I think it differs for all different kinds of podcasters. There are people who have a podcast which they monetize directly via sponsorships, adverts, maybe something they're selling, subscriptions even. And then there are people like me who have a podcast to help people get to know them, to help people feel comfortable with them, to maybe buy something. The goal is also to help them obviously in and of itself, but the idea is that it should help increase sales of something else that they're working on. So in my case, I have the Sales for Founders podcast. It helps people get to know me and trust me and know that I'm useful. Because of that, they will then hopefully go on in some cases if they need it to buy the Sales of Founders course. So I monetize it that way. Any way that I can get this in front of more of the right people, that would be great. Obviously, SEO for podcasts isn't great. I don't want to waste money getting this in front of the wrong people. 
So I would like some low effort, low cost way of getting in front of lots of the right people, which is of course the holy grail and isn't very easy, but I'm a lazy kind of guy. So any way that we can think of to make that more likely, even a little bit is super useful. Yeah, this is an interesting state to be in. Some people are in this state consciously. Some people unconsciously don't really know what they're doing and they have a podcast. But I think that there's a certain percentage of podcasts that are sort of like a lead magnet almost. It's a way to attract people to your brand and let them know and get some people to sign up in that case. As far as the pain goes, when you're in that situation, I can imagine it could be a little bit stressful. Anytime you're producing content and you're not really sure whether you're going to get a return on the investment of the time and energy you put in, it can be kind of nerve wracking because each time you do a podcast or you're spending time editing it or paying for something that you need to be done, somebody else editing it, whatever, you're just asking yourself, is this really worth it? (laughs) So the more listeners you have, then the clearer it is to you that it is worth it. And you can maybe quantify actually how worth it it is, like how many leads you get or how many people are responding or connecting with you through it. So yeah, I'm picking out the pain there of spending time developing it and how you could be doing other things. I don't really spend at the moment a lot of time or money in promoting my podcast, to be perfectly honest. I have my own newsletter that I share it with. I'll promote it on Twitter. I'll put it out into Hacker News, Indie Hackers, all those kind of places that you can share it into relevant forums and stuff. Probably the biggest growth channel for my podcast right now is just via the guests own network as well. Most of the guests I have on tend to have a pretty decent following, so they'll give it a share as well, and it grows that way normally. That's the most significant one, but that's also a challenge in itself because it promotes this circle of you have to be big enough to get people to come on to then share it because they want to be part of your audience as well. And I'm pretty lucky with my newsletter that I have that. But a lot of people who are just starting off don't have 5,000 people on a newsletter and 15,000 followers somewhere to promote their stuff to. This is a problem that a lot of content producers or new age media companies are thinking about heavily. Spotify is investing in podcast curation and at least a lot of time. I recently heard a blurb that they think that it's going to be their Netflix differentiator. The biggest players out there are investing heavily in this At the same time, when that's happening, my intuition around that is there's a good chance that the people who already have a good audience are going to benefit heavily from that. But people who are just starting out may be left by the wayside. So it becomes even more pressing for people who don't have those resources who are going to benefit from things that Spotify are doing, at least right away, to have something like what you're describing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think people have known for a long time that podcast discovery is broken, that it's very difficult to surface new interesting podcasts until they get to that threshold. One of the problems that I've seen with podcast discovery as opposed to when we were talking about content creation in general, when you create content, normally it's in the form of maybe a video, often it's written words or copywriting that is easy to share when you're online and you can read it and you can take it in pretty quickly. And you're normally receptive to that. Whereas with podcasts, you have to be a podcast listener basically to want to take in content in that format. So you're not just looking for people who are interested in whatever you're talking about. You're looking for people who are interested in whatever you're talking about, who also like listening to podcasts. And they're also somewhere where they have their podcast listening device on them. And they're hopefully using that. I don't really listen to podcasts on my laptop, for example, it's just on my phone. So if I see a link to a podcast on my laptop, I may try and remind myself to go back and look at it later, but it very rarely happens. I just want to bring this up. I don't know if it's going to be super relevant to our conversation, but it makes me think of radio and how people find audio content 
via the radio. And what happens is you tune into a radio station and maybe you like the songs that they generally play. And then all of a sudden there's a new artist and you're like, oh, cool. I've never heard of them, but they're a new person on the scene. This is exciting. You get excited about it. What jumped out to me about that format is that people are used to having someone come by and say, hey, here's what we think you would like. Here's what we think you would like even if maybe you wouldn't like it, right? It's a very passive way of finding out about things. But it is what people are used to. Because I was trying to imagine, is there a radio station for podcasts? And they play podcasts, and you could just turn it on and you hear the podcast. But I think this is an interesting space, right? And people aren't used to finding podcasts to listen to. And we're still working out the details on how to get people connected with the right podcasts. I'm going to transition right here in the middle of my comment into the next question, which has been a burning question. So the solution, I know that we haven't talked about what that's going to be yet. What's the idea that you're coming to us with? It's clear there's a problem. What's one of the ways that you think this could be addressed? I don't think this is necessarily the perfect solution, right? But it's one that you can go out there with and work on. And maybe by playing around in this direction, you can find a better way of doing this. I think it's always more effective to go out with something, at least to the market instead of just going out and asking random questions. What I've been thinking of, this came from my own experience doing this manually, is if you look at the way that podcasters tend to try and grow their podcasts at the moment, what they will do is they will invite someone onto their podcast. Maybe it's another podcaster, maybe it's someone with a newsletter or something who also has an audience. And then they will hope that that person will then share it with their audience and they will hope to then go on that person's podcast or be featured in that person's newsletter. And the problem you have there is if the only people you're inviting onto your podcast are other podcasters, you have a content problem. You have amazing exposure, you have amazing reach, but you only have people on who aren't particularly new guests who they could go and listen to somewhere else. So it gets kind of samey. For example, if we're looking at newspapers, Netflix, TV, and YouTube, the radio, how they all kind of get around this is when you've watched something, for example, on Netflix and you get to the end of the season, what happens is they will autoplay into something similar that they think that you will like. And then you can work it out by there. The same with Spotify. When you get to the end of an album, it doesn't just stop. It plays on with another album that they think that you will like. And I think the same thing should happen in podcasts. I guess the simple way of putting it is to say it's just a way of doing cross-promotion where you match up different podcasters and you say, okay, at the end of your podcast, tell your guests where to go and listen to another podcast that they'll probably like when they finish with your podcast. So it's just a simple way of putting other podcasts that people will like in front of the right people and growing your audience very cheaply. And the idea would just be to match those podcasters together and do the work for them. Are you picturing this being on an episode by episode basis or a month at a time? You choose a podcast that you're going to cross promote with and you have that call to action at the end to say, if you like this episode, go listen to these guys and you do that for a month or... Are you picturing that the content of the individual episode is going to determine who you match with? No, because I think your audience is normally the same demographic or people each time. It's very weird to have an audience that changes completely. It's very rare to be talking about candy one week and flamethrowers the next, right? Unless there's something linking the two. I think there are two ways you could go about doing it, and I have no idea which is better. I'd love to hear your opinions. One way that people do, for example, advertising on podcasts at the moment is they will just have a recorded segment at the end on a weekly or on a monthly basis. They will swap out that segment for the new advert for all episodes of the podcast, and they will just change that month on month or week on week. Others do it manually and say, okay, for these two episodes, this is the advert. This is the place I want to send people to. 
And the next time I record a podcast episode, I will send people to somewhere else. I don't know which is better. I don't know if they tend to have one segment that they switch out completely or whether they tend to record it fixed to the podcast. Thinking ahead, maybe crazy end game here. Spotify has this functionality now where you can create a playlist of podcasts and you can curate that. As you were sharing, I was thinking, well, someone could create a playlist of podcasts that are similar to ours, let's say Tim Ferriss show, where a lot of our listeners are going to be already listening, but much bigger names. And then you kind of wedge our episode in the middle there. You like stuff like this, you would also like run with it. A smaller step would be what you're describing with the cross promotion. You create a playlist of just those two podcasts that are going to do that cross promotion. And that way it's one link, you share it. It's on Spotify only at this time, but people don't have to stop and search for the cross-promoted podcast. You can have a link in the show notes to make it quite easy for someone to go there. Another thing that I've seen work reasonably well, but I haven't done enough to know whether it's effective or not, is to import someone else's podcast episode into your podcast stream. So if you normally produce your podcasts on a Monday, to then maybe once off on a Wednesday to have someone else's podcast on there and record a quick intro and say, hey... I really like this podcast. I've been listening to it. What do you think? Give it a listen. And then maybe next week you have another episode or maybe you only do that once a month or whatever it is. The advantage there is that they hear the other host's voice. They hear what's happening. So they're more likely to give it a try and want to go and listen to it. The downside is obviously because that episode won't have been promoted by the host. Fewer people will hear about that podcast, but more of the people who hear about it will engage with it and probably like it. I like that as an alternative to just giving a shout out at the end of the episode, feeding it into your set of podcasts, basically, right? And recording an intro, it's the opposite. I like that because you don't have to do the work to go click a link and go to the other podcast and find it. And you don't know necessarily what it's going to be like versus it just starts playing and then something catches your ear and you can't stop listening. And then you get to the end of it. Now, once you know the voice and everything, you're going to go and check out more episodes. I like that. Gimlet does that already for some of their podcasts. One of the podcasts I listen to is Startups for the Rest of Us by Rob Walling. He just started a second podcast and has been cross-promoting that podcast into his feed on a week-by-week basis. And I've listened to that new one twice now without realizing it. So it works, at least sometimes. It also gives you more content. You could release more episodes and gives people more to connect with as part of your content stream. I think that this solution speaks to an issue that many podcast listeners have. I know personally I have that we should make explicit here. When I'm listening to a podcast and it ends, oftentimes I want to listen to something that's similar to it. And I have this big list of podcasts that I know that I want to listen to, but then I have to scroll through and find them. So even ones that I've already said that I want to invest the time to listen to it, you get analysis paralysis, where you have to try and find it and it makes me less likely to do that. It's all the more difficult if you're driving, which a lot of people do when they're listening to podcasts, if you're mowing the lawn or you can't take your eyes away from what you're doing to make that selection. So that's kind of circling back a little bit to the problem. But the more we talk about that idea, it's got some legs to it. I'm thinking about implementation here. What are you imagining Louis, as a way to implement this? Is it a software that makes this happen? Is it just a community that you join and there's just some templates that you have to fill out and maybe a little bit of checking up on people to see if they do it? Does one evolve into the other? What are your thoughts on the more explicit implementation of it? I'm a fan of getting started as lean and quickly as possible. The really basic version of this is just matching up 
different podcasters that you think would be a good fit, reaching out to them via email and saying, hey, how would you like to put your podcast in front of so and so many people on a similar show? Great. Okay. Then I'll go to the next guy or girl and say, hey, well, this person's in. How would you like to cross promote with them? Awesome. How about we do that again next week? And then you can pay me whatever to do that in the week after and the week after that. I think that could become a pretty simple software tool where people get matched up. I think it makes sense to have some kind of community aspect pretty early, just so people can kind of give you feedback and get to know each other and match that way as well. Maybe they can make suggestions and intro people, other podcasters who they think would be a good fit. I think a lot of podcasters tend to know and trust other podcasters and would come in as a referral that way. There are loads of other options that you could kind of build in later. At the moment, it's very transactional. It's one for one. At some point, if your audience is smaller and you'd like more exposure, maybe you could pay to be featured on a larger podcast, for example. So there's lots of different ways you could develop it as time goes on. But I would just start off by doing some emails and saying, hey, podcaster A would like to be featured, your podcaster B, how would you like to be featured on podcaster A's podcast? That's interesting. I was thinking of objections that listeners may have. And one that comes to mind would be how you manage disparate numbers for your audience. Another idea that I'd love to hear your thoughts on this would be some sort of credit system where if you have the download numbers, if you have a thousand downloads an episode, maybe you get more credits than someone who has a hundred downloads an episode. And that can serve as that equalizing force where maybe if you have a thousand, you can get a thousand impressions based on the number that you already have. So get credited that way. Weirdly enough, I'm not an expert in a lot of stuff, but when it comes to balancing out two-sided marketplaces, there probably aren't that many people out there who've done more of that than me, both with Jim Hopper to balance out different gyms, being happy to have different sized customer bases going to train at each other's gyms. And also with Postberg, that was the same thing. We were matching different e-commerce stores and they had different volumes. And the thing I've learned is if you start getting into that kind of credit system or being too picky about one in and one out and 10 here and 10 there, it just breaks down. You just have to be kind of strong with people and say, look, here's the deal. It's going to be roughly fair for everybody. You have to trust me to do that. We're going to keep it simple because at the end of the day, the effort of making sure it's exactly right is just going to cost everyone way more time and money than it's worth. So let's just keep it simple. You can trust me to do what's right. I have skin in the game as well. If it doesn't work out, then you can switch to something else. But in my experience, it's better just to keep it simple. That makes sense from a reducing complexity standpoint. So I think that's a great answer. Another objection that comes to mind is once you provide the service to someone and they're matched up, what makes them want to stay with you? I know you mentioned churn as a potential issue. What are your thoughts on that? What we're doing is, again, this two-sided marketplace, right? If you look at ones that didn't work, like Homejoy, for example, they don't work when both sides want to find one other party where the trust is high and just to stick around with them. So with Homejoy, you want to find the perfect cleaner. You're willing to pay to find that cleaner, but you don't want to swap them out on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis. The value is just in finding them. Afterwards, Homejoy didn't really provide any value at all. Whereas with this, you don't want to just find one other podcast host because once you've cross-promoted once or twice, okay, maybe in a year's time, two years' time, the audience has changed enough to make it worth doing again, but there's no additional value there. So the value is being provided on a recurring basis by constantly bringing you new podcasts to match up with and also doing the work of qualifying. Did they actually record it? Did they do what they said they did? Did they follow through every week? Last week, they were supposed to do it with someone else. Did they actually do the thing they were supposed to do? 
in this case, like the classic two-sided marketplace with Uber, all the reasons that it works well there work well here as well. So I'm not too worried about people using it once and then not needing it again. I don't know if we touched upon this yet exactly, but do we talk a little bit about the value, how much somebody might pay to be a part of this? And maybe there's different tiers of clients and they pay different amounts, but what are your thoughts on the actual amounts? You'll have an idea of this as well, because you run a podcast. You asked me at the very beginning about the pain. And I didn't give a very good quantified answer for the pain, because I think a lot of the time it's amazing to think about this kind of thing in terms of pain. But I always like to tell founders, sometimes there isn't a pain that you're solving per se, you're adding value in a different way. And I think of this as more of a way to add value rather than to solve a pain, because it's not a pain to me that my audience for my podcasts, about a thousand listeners a week, but it would be a massive value add to me if it was 2000 listeners a week. I'm not losing money at a thousand, but 2000 would be better. It's difficult to say exactly how much it would be worth, but I know that an additional listener is going to be worth upwards of 10 cents to me easily. If you can get me an extra 500 listeners, then I'm going to be willing to pay $50, for example. It could be way more than that in my case. If you're doing advertising, you probably have a very good idea of exactly how much an additional download or an additional listener is worth. So I think it probably is tiered. The smaller the podcast, the easier it is to do this yourself and the less value it will be because of the reciprocal value of the size of the podcasts. Whereas if you're absolutely massive like Joe Rogan or someone and you can pull in that kind of audience, then of course it's going to be worth thousands, if not tens of thousands. What do you guys think? I'd love to hear your podcasters. What would you pay? Part of it is a matter of what you can afford to, depending on the specific podcast. I'm going to throw this in there. We can talk about it more later, but it's sort of on topic. One place that we could start in this when we start to talk about action steps is a niche, not just any podcast, but maybe you start with business podcasts. We've been talking a lot about business podcasts. You have a business podcast. We have a business podcast. So there's a nice quantifiability there in terms of revenue that people generate based on the listeners that they gain and so on and so forth. It's less likely to be just a podcast about candy for candy's sake or whatever. Somebody just wants to talk about what they like to wear on the weekends or something. In terms of the amounts, though, we have a pre-podcast form. You put them out in there. And that is actually <laughs> it's biasing my brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way, too. Louis wrote at least $20 a month, which to me would be very fair for something like this. If I knew that one, as Louis had talked about, it's people who have the same interests as you. And two, they're already proven to be podcast listeners. I think that's extremely powerful. It's okay to start with a number too and just talk about what that means just from that perspective. Why $20 a month sounds nice from our perspective, I think, is that it almost sounds fun to try for $20 a month. There's a bit of fun involved. You get to meet people, whether you meet them face-to-face where you just sort of engage with their podcasts and get to know what they're doing and they get to know what you're doing and stuff like that. For 20 bucks a month, it's like have an interesting networking opportunity. It sounds pretty cheap. You mentioned the number 50 came up. I think that's sounding like it's pushing it a little bit. When you get into like 100, 200 or something like that, it starts to feel like, well, you really got to know that this matters financially to you, whether you're going to pay that much. Those are my thoughts on the numbers. One other thing that I'll throw in here, in terms of scale, there are 700,000 podcasts out there. So it's a big potential market size. And that number is growing. I think a couple of years ago, it was 500,000. So it's growing very quickly. The number of listeners, people who actively every month or every week listen to podcasts is growing as well. Getting ahead of this $20 a month, charging something like that, might not feel like you're making a lot of money, but if you can get a good number of users, then that would add up. 
I like the idea of a tier. I'm thinking of like, say, three tiers, like 20 bucks a month. It's almost like your intention is you just kind of want to have some more fun. You want to engage with some other podcasts and get to know what kind of a community you're inside of. And it's more of like having fun with it and figuring out the system and then moving on to like 100, 200 bucks a month where people are really serious about they want to grow their podcast for a specific reason and they believe they're going to get some return on it. I know they're taking serious action. That could be interesting from a self-selection standpoint. If the people who are paying 20 bucks a month, they're only matched with the $20 per month people, then you know it's a different level of seriousness approaching it. But people who are paying $100 a month, if they're only matched with $100 a month podcasters, then there's more skin in the game there. What do you think about that ideal? You have way more experience with marketplaces than we do. Just in general doing sales, I prefer to charge more wherever possible. And I think you talked, Ethan, sorry, before about niching. And I think kind of a business podcast may be a perfect place to start here. I'm not sure. You can kind of niche down a bit more on by jobs to be done and think about, okay, well, there are people like me, for example, who are doing something similar to this anyway, right? I'm going on other people's podcasts. I'm inviting people onto my podcast. This takes time. I'm quite busy. I'm quite aware of what my time is worth. And for the amount of time that I'm spending doing this, then... 50 or $100 a month really isn't a massive amount to pay for this. I'm paying for you to do the work that I was going to do anyway, and I'd be happy to pay that amount to get that time back, assuming obviously that the results work out just as well, which I mean, why wouldn't they? In terms of the pricing, I always think of the cheaper pricing as being more of an acquisition strategy than a monetization strategy. So if you can get someone in when they're small for $20 a month and you help them grow, well, they're going to carry on paying it 50 and 100 and 500 and wherever it ends, right? It's only good. It's only going to go up from there. I like the framing you did about the time it's saving you and what's your time worth and giving this specific example of like going on another podcast or something like that, right? Go on another podcast, takes an hour. Is your time worth $50 an hour? You just saved an hour. If you were going to go on 10 podcasts, potentially save $500. I like that framing of it. I think that makes it easier to quantify and sell for people. Can you tell us a little bit about the competition that you see for a service like this? What alternatives are there to this business idea that you're proposing? There's direct competition and just the way that people are trying to solve the same problem with the time or money that they'd spend on this, right? So I obviously haven't spent a massive amount of time thinking about this. So I'm sure people will be screaming into their headset, no, I know someone who's already doing this and it works really well. I know of one free database of about 200 completely different podcasts that have been put in there over the years where people can kind of self-match. But again, it's super easy to find business podcast and then find that person's email address and reach out to them. That's not the hard part. The hard part is to find people who are interested in that and not to have to send out 50 emails and spend five hours finding one person. Gimlet and maybe some other of these kind of podcasting media companies, they will cross promote already doing exactly this within their own podcasts. If you listen to any BBC podcasts, they also do this. They have like adverts, pre-roll and post-roll for other shows that they think people will be interested in. It obviously works. You know, they're spending the time doing that instead of something else. So if you can bring people together, there's obviously value in doing it. There was another podcast hosting company, I think it's called Red Circle, who also apparently do this, but only for podcasts that are hosted with them. It seems to be a useful value add. People are doing all kinds of different things to grow their podcasts. Some people have a lot of time and not very much money. Some people are more cash rich and time poor, whether they're going out and manually posting, whether they're reaching out to other people to do cross-promotion already, whether they're going on each other's episodes and doing it that way. It depends, I think, in terms of the time and cost of doing all those things. 
I mean, it's not a clear winner, right? I haven't done enough research or I haven't tried to sell it to anyone yet, but it seems plausible that this would be a better alternative for the time and for the money. One thing that's coming up for me is that you mentioned Red Circle, which I don't much about, but the idea you're saying that they do this for the people that are working with them. And I'm thinking of existing podcasts, hosting type services or helping type services. We're with Transistor that you upload your podcast and it does a lot of other things for you, like have a site. Theoretically, Transistor could be doing this for people, easily connecting people and inserting podcasts, little trailers in between them for each other. There may not be a clear route to this, but is there a way to like start this independently and then merge it with a service like that or to kind of set up your process of doing this so that you can merge with an existing business? I have no idea. Ask Justin, get him on the show, and I'm sure he can tell you all about it. Uh, it seems plausible to me. You should ask him why he hasn't done this already, if Red Circle people have. I'm guessing it's just, you know, there's a thousand things he could be doing. He could be building even better widgets to share podcasts. He could be building some kind of referral system. There are probably a thousand things that he could be doing. Maybe this one isn't the one that he needs to be doing now. 18 months into Transistor or something. I have no idea why he's not doing it. That, what you said, sounds completely plausible to me. And I don't know if Chris, if you've got any other thoughts there, but it's not something where I immediately go, yes, this is the strategy. I know exactly how to do this. So I'm interested to hear what you think. I think that there's always value when you're launching an idea, thinking about packaging it up in a way that it could be sold for people. Even if that doesn't happen, if you build systems that way, then you're probably going to have a cleaner business. But I do think that there's potential for something like that. I think it would make sense to latch onto that. There's a lot of inefficiencies that could be bundled into one place to make it smoother just for this entire process. So Ethan, you're spot on with that. Yeah, I've got some interesting ideas just to throw to the listeners here. So there's this word that came up for me, I don't know, within the past 10 years or so, I started hearing people talk about intrapreneurs. The idea was like, you're in a business, maybe it's a corporation, whatever, but you've got an idea that you want to do within that business and you try to build that and use them as a partner and so on and so forth. Let's say it was Transistor. I think there's an interesting thing to go to a business owner that has a business and you see like a feature that it's almost like it could be its own thing. It's very complimentary and say... Here, I've done certain steps already. I checked out all the podcasts that you have on Transistor, and I found a way to figure out which ones are similar categorizations. And I've said, these are the ones that should be connected. I want to get started on this sort of side project. Can I kind of be an entrepreneur within your existing business? And we'll see if there's a way to monetize it. If there's a monetization around it, then I get some cut of that monetization. But I could imagine that that could be a fruitful way of proceeding, one that we haven't really talked about before on the podcast, but an interesting way to try to build a, I wouldn't call it a business, but like a sub-business, right? This is interesting because I know Justin with Transistor at least has a lot of data on podcasts that are hosted on Transistor. So they have one Google Analytics account and it's collecting all of that data across it. I imagine that Justin or someone else on the team could be able to pull some of that and create a Venn diagram of sorts of podcasters who listen to run with it also listen to this podcast on Transistor. So you already see that overlap. You can create lookalike audiences on Facebook to make sure that you're targeting the same people and you can be really effective. So partnering with someone like that, it could give you results even faster than if you were trying to do this completely independently. It sounds like a great acquisition channel. Number one, just in terms of acquiring more podcasts. If you have these people you can partner with and they're funneling podcasters to you because they have access to them anyway, and it's kind of a win-win situation, right? So that's great. And then like you said, you can make the matching service even more accurate 
whether that's with Google Analytics like you talked about, whether that's with them sharing kind of tracking pixels or newsletters, anonymize the email addresses and match them that way. That's what we did at PostBurt, for example, to tell roughly whose audience seems to be similar. Are you then selling a shovel? Are you selling your service one rung higher, B2B? Or is this more of an affiliates channel sales thing? No idea. Probably not where I'd start, but it sounds plausible later down the line. We already discussed that people might have a group and that might be just a free thing and you're part of a group and you could see. But I think one thing that is not public and is easy to make public is just who has a podcast and would have other podcasters on as a form of cross-promotion. So it would literally be you spend some time just contacting podcasters to say, are you interested in being on other podcasts for cross-promotion purposes and curate a list of just people who said yes to that? And maybe they can include criteria if they want to, like I'll be on other podcasts, but they have to have a certain amount of listeners. I want to make sure it's this topic. And you could just match people to be on each other's podcasts. It shouldn't require anything complex, just a list that you put together and track some data and start matching people. I think as an action step, a listener needs to build a list of potential prospects. These are the people that I'm going to reach out to that I think would benefit from a service like this. Once you have that list, then craft an outreach email to them. Explain the service and why it would be beneficial for them. You're in beta. Here's what we're trying to accomplish as part of it. We expect that you can save X hours per week of cross-promotion time. Those are the half-formed ideas that come to mind to start. What do you think about that, Louis? I mean, we obviously have a sample size of two podcasts here. If I get it, you guys aren't actively doing this or something similar at the moment. I've done it before and I'd be willing to pay for it, but I simply don't have the time to do it myself. I'd want to get some more information. You know, I'd want to reach out to a couple of different kinds of podcasters. And I'd probably start off with the podcasts I listen to. Because if I listen to five or six podcasts, well, great, they all have something in common. There are likely other people who also listen to all those podcasts, even if the connection isn't obvious. That's probably where I'd start out. I'd probably talk to a couple of friends, see what podcasts they listen to, map that out and reach out to those as potential connections as well. Just see, you know, why are they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? What makes them respond? What objections do they have? What is kind of the common factor between different podcasters who are willing to pay for this and those who aren't willing to pay for this? What do they have in common? We have, again, different podcasts. You're not selling something, I assume. If you were to monetize this, it would be more likely to be directly or at some point down the line. Whereas I already have the thing that I monetize my podcast with. So I know how much it's worth to me to have new listeners. For that reason, more willing to pay more because I'm more confident that there's going to be a real result sooner rather than maybe at some point down the line in your case. The other thing I like about this idea is it seems to me like it doesn't need to be an app or something that someone needs to code. You can do this on Excel if you wanted to manage it that way. You need to be organized and you need to have the skill of connecting with people and understanding what they're looking for and selling, but you don't need to have a programming background to do this. If I were going to do this today, I wouldn't be programming anything probably in the first couple of months at least. I'd be getting 50, 100 different podcasters who are all kind of potentially a good mix together. I would be getting them interested, getting them on board and just matching them manually. I mean, it's not a massive amount of work, assuming they're paying enough, then it's pretty easy to get started and Excel, Airtable, whatever you want to do. I think Airtable might be a bit easier if you want to connect the automating the emails and stuff up to that, but it's super simple to get started. And I don't see why you'd necessarily need a technical background for this for quite some time. Yeah, I like that part of it. It's relatively simple to get started, but it has a lot of room to grow and change if it's successful. 
One thing that I have heard from other folks who are looking to start a business is they like to see that path to how can I make this automated? How can I make it systematized where I'm not putting in all these manual hours into it? And it seems at this stage, like, sure, you can do 100 manually, maybe per month, 500, whatever it is, but you're still trading time for money with that. At what point in terms of revenue or in terms of total users do you envision being able to turn this into a more systematized business? I don't know. It's a simple answer. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well. The actual work isn't very difficult. Matching these podcasts together, especially once you've worked out what kind of data points you need from a podcaster to be able to work out who they'd be a good fit with, then it's really quite a simple matching process. And whether you automate that or you do human automation and you pay someone maybe who isn't in West Coast, in SF, crazy rate to do it for you, they both result in you making money and not having to do the manual work yourself. I'm not too bothered about that, I think. That's one of those luxury problems that you can have much later down the line. One thing that's coming up for me in the answering of that question, Chris, is this may have a space to become the type of business where there's a certain amount of users or interested parties that kind of help curate out of their interest and goodwill. I don't know if that's a guarantee. As a couple examples, one would be I work in the piano industry a lot. There's this guy that started a message board called Piano World, right? And at first, people would write things up on there. It was very small. They would ask questions and he would try to answer questions they had about pianos and stuff like that. But it grew and it grew. And he'll say today, he doesn't know the answer to 80% of the questions that get asked on that message board. People are answering the questions for each other. And so to piggyback on that, and by the way, this episode is great for brainstorming for Chris and I on ways to promote our podcast. In my research on ways to do that, I found the Facebook group that is just podcast listeners, literally people who love podcasts and they want to kind of get together and talk about what's another podcast I might like and talk about episodes and stuff like that. So I can imagine you could recruit some of those people to be curators for you, to help you find podcasts that are like each other in their own process of being fascinated with podcasts and looking for podcasts that are similar. So there is potential that in automation, in making things happen, it's less of a computerized thing and it's more of an audience input thing like a Wikipedia or a bulletin board or something like that. At that point, I have to give a quick shout out to my friend Mups, who maybe you and probably a lot of your listeners will know who is running a site called PodHunt, which I am a backer of, which does something very similar to that. I think that has its own unique set of challenges. I think it's a really interesting thing to do. And I think with Mubs's audience and the work effort that he puts in, that could be really useful and really cool. I always thought, you know, if you enjoy podcasts, that anyone with access to a computer and the internet can go and build a business pretty quickly. That was my idea of bringing this kind of way of approaching it. There's maybe even some kind of happy middle ground there where we talked about monetizing from the podcasters directly because I like to make sure that what I'm selling has some value and I like to have an easy, predictable, direct path to revenue. But it's very possible if you are providing value to a group of podcasters and you have them trusting you and working with you and communicating with you in the same place, there are a lot of people who would love to get in front of that audience, whether that's people selling podcast hosting, transcribing. I have no idea what else, you know, the kind of stuff I get pitched on every day for the podcast. They'd love to be there as well. So maybe you monetize that way later down the line, maybe it's a mix, maybe it's something else that I have no idea of. But if you go and talk to some podcasters, I'm pretty sure you'll find out the answer pretty soon. Yeah, I was going to bring up Mubs. Episode 17, I think is what his number is going to be. And he brought up an idea that I think is very complimentary to this. As we were talking though, the thing that really drew me to your idea is this seems like it's something that's a network for podcasters alone, which I think 
grouping it that way makes it that it's more serious. It's less reaching out to a bunch of other people who don't have skin in the game. Everyone wants to be doing the same thing and they're invested in doing so. I do think that there's room to have some complementary offerings, but I see what you've described as being quite separate. Well, I think that one thing that's becoming clear from this episode, the one with Mubs that will have come out, podcasting is a very interesting industry to get into, even if you're not a podcaster, right? To support this industry. And it reminds me of the gold rush. The richest people in the gold rush were the people selling the shovels and the jeans and stuff like that to equip people with what they needed. It's clear that podcasting is growing very rapidly and that it means there's a huge business opportunity and all sorts of little niches. There could be plenty of competition or very similar ideas and you might as well just jump right in and take advantage of it. That's exciting. I was not really thinking about that until we started the podcast and started talking about businesses at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up here. Louis, thank you very much for all the insights that you've shared, this great business idea that our listeners can take and run with. So if you're listening, you're on board with what Louis has shared, you see the value in a project like this, take some action, follow through on the steps that we've outlined, email us at update at runwithit.fm with what you've done. We will choose one listener to connect you with Louis for a free one-hour mentoring session. And you can speak with him about potentially partnering on this business idea at that time. So fantastic opportunity to potentially work with someone who has sold a company already. He has a large audience. Actually, why don't you go ahead and tell us more about that yourself, Louis? I've actually sold a couple of companies. And right now I'm running a course teaching early stage founders, probably like a lot of the listeners here, how to do sales, specifically how to do the first couple of sales that they need to do to get from maybe an idea, maybe a first customer, all the way up to about 10K in monthly recurring revenue. So it's a pretty simple course that I had a lot of people reaching out to me for. Pretty happy with how it's gone so far. If anyone needs any help with sales, they can reach out to me there, louis at salesforfounders.com or just head on over to salesforfounders.com. The new opening version of the course comes out in late November. So maybe it's already out by the time this episode's aired. Go over there and you'll probably be able to sign straight up. You can kind of chat with me in the Slack community. And I love helping people. So if you have any questions about any of this stuff or just want to reach out and say hi, I'd love to hear from you via email or just find me on Twitter, wherever you want to find me and say hi. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Louis. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and looking forward to talking again in the future. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Great to be here. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run. 
That's R-U-N and get 15% off your first year.